Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, this is The Bright Side with Technisha. A daily broadcast on real-life issues that will keep you motivated. And now, here's your host, Technisha. DJ Bay, the world's shortest DJ. Putting it down Detroit style. Good afternoon, everyone. Today is November 18, 2014, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Bright Side with Technicia, and I'm your host, Technicia. It's a wonderful, wonderful day, but make sure that you're wrapped up, because it's going to get that Archie Blast in very soon. So have on your gloves, your hat, everything. I know you wasn't expecting it, but it is coming. But with me today is a wonderful, wonderful guest. Her name is... I wa- well, I will give you her name in just a moment, but she's an award-winning author and journalist, Amazon best-selling author, and author of 12 books and 1,200 articles for major magazines. She has her latest book is How Not to Sound Stupid at Work, which is also an Amazon bestseller, and it shares hundreds of writing tips and tools. Here with me is Miss Linda McDaniel. Please call in at 347 347- Four two six three seven five one, and the chat box will be open up just for you. Linda, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing good. Yeah, I checked out your weather, and I saw it was unseasonably cold down there. Oh yeah, some people was not even expecting it. They thought they were coming to heat. They, I heard <laughs> some people say, I heard some people say it was colder than in Chicago. Wow. Well, good luck with not that. Expect- Right, right. I, I I think I'm used to it because Georgia always has been an unpredictable state when it comes to weather, especially in Atlanta for me. So I'm I'm very used to this type of weather. It goes up and down. The one thing I always tell people, you have to be very careful because it's the pneumonia and flu weather. So make sure you get your vaccinations. Please do get those. Um, so, Linda, it's great to have you on. Such an amazing woman into writing. You know, you have accomplished so much. Well, thank you. Yeah, I've worked long and hard at it. And, you know, um, I, part of it is just that's what writing takes is perseverance and practice. Uh, I have clients who say, you know, how can I be a better writer? And I say, just keep practicing. It's not... It's not even like rocket science. You just keep practicing. And I sure have. Right. I've had a 30-year career. So um, that, that's some of the best advice I can give folks is just keep at it. Well, that's all you can do. You Practice makes perfect. That's why I tell my children, anything that you want to become better, and you have to just keep practicing. It's an everyday thing. Nobody woke up one night and became the best writer as soon as they were born. It don't happen like that. You just have talented people. That's why I call you very skillful and talented but you you have to work at anything that you want. So, um, you know, I love this book, um, How Not to Sound Stupid at Work, which kind of makes a lot of sense, though, because a lot of people you you be listening to, you be like, Lord, how much did you just say what I thought you said? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know why that is. It's it's not really that people are stupid. It's that they sound stupid because they just wrote something way too fast, like on their iPhone or on their, you know, email or whatever. Mm-hmm. And people have forgotten that you've got to write and then sort of pause and take a look at what you wrote. Yeah, I'm kind of like that. I always critique even when I'm texting. And I know people say, oh, you just text your friends, but you got to sound so formal, technician. I'm like... Well, that's just me, you know. I figure if you practice doing it in text and with your friends, then you'll become better. Because sometimes you talk, you write the way you talk. So I 
try not to do that. I don't want to write to you informal. I don't care if you are my best friend. I'm still going to put my little period. I'm going to type out the whole word. I don't usually try to abbreviate, you know, so I'm I'm that type of way. But you know what? Well, that I, I sounds... Like your, um... Oh, go ahead, oh, Linda. I'm sorry. I was just going to say that is a great habit to get into because if we get too casual with our friends, next thing you know, that creeps into our business writing. And so that's a great habit you've got. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, I do like in your book... Uh, with the 13th number, um, write first draft fast. Now, why is that, um, Linda? Is it because you'll start losing your train of thought if you don't put it down quickly? Well, there's a lot of reasons, and let me just give you the top three, okay? And that is, one, a lot of people dread writing. And so, And they say, oh, I don't have time. Well, if you say to yourself, I'm just going to write this thing really fast, just five minutes even. Now, that's not what you're going to send out, but you, you've broken through that procrastination. So, one, you've gotten it down fast. Uh, two, it does save time because when people write a first draft slowly, they tend to, oh, they go back and fix a word in the first sentence, and then they, mm-hmm. and it, mm-hmm. it just keeps going, and it's so slow that they get frustrated and they quit. So that's two, but here is the magical third one. When we write fast, and now trust me on this, I've been writing 30 years. When we write fast, we actually tap into ideas we didn't know we had. I bet you've had this happen to you. Our brains are just wired that way that, like, if we can get on a roll and we're writing, that kind of allows that creative side of our brain to speak to us. And so it's just amazing what will come up. I don't mean necessarily like the, it's uh, something you never in the whole world thought of or something, but it comes to you. It, it's like, oh, yeah, I could mention such and such. And and so when we write fast, that opens up more. Right. Well, you know, they always told you that in school, too, mostly. I have, well, I have heard it when you write your first draft, don't go back and correct it. That's not the job of writing the first draft. First draft is to get all your thoughts out. They might be the craziest thoughts, but just get them out on paper right then and there, and then organize it later. Don't go and you write. You go as soon as you start going back and tweaking it, then that's when it's like um, and it does take you longer because now you're yeah. going, you you're not following the rules. The draft is not to follow the rules. The draft is just to put your ideas out there. You do all that when exactly. you turn in that last final draft. When you turn in that final paper, that's when you're supposed to have corrected all your mistakes. But your draft, that's supposed to be sloppy. Yeah, because it's it's the best we can do at that moment. We've got a jumble of thoughts in our head, and that's the best we can do. But you know, I I need I want to tell you this story about somebody who was a really high up in a corporation, and he had a book contract, and he asked me to help him with it because he just couldn't seem to get going with it. And you know, we discovered that he was such a perfectionist he could not allow himself to write that first draft. And as a result, he never did write that book um, because he just felt like he was a failure if his first draft wasn't brilliant. And that is a tragedy because none of us, even writers that you rush to the bookstore to get their latest bestseller, even they write bad first drafts. So this poor mm-hmm. fellow was just caught in a trap of perfectionism. So just let that jumble out, just like you said. You said it the best. Just let it out. Don't don't tweak it. And then go back and make it better. It saves time right. and frustration, you know. It, it does, but it's hard. When you mention that guy, he sounds like he's a perfectionist, and we do have perfectionists. They do not want to do any mistakes, so that will be hard for anyone. If you're a perfectionist, that this will be a hard task for you. So, we, Linda and I want you to try to practice that. Just let it flow, take it easy, especially you college students, because we talked yesterday about this for college students. Writing is a very essential tool that everyone needs to have, no matter if you're going into marketing, singing, 
it does not matter what career goal you have in mind, you will be doing writing. So you need to start practicing now. But let's start practicing on just letting it flow. Because especially when you're in college, you're going to have research papers, and you're going to have to let your ideas flow. You're going to have to put everything down because there's no way you're going to be trying to tweak while you're trying to read 25 books of research. It's not going to happen. So <laughs> that's the first step. Just get it down, and then you go back and you do everything correct. Make sure it's corrected before you turn in that paper so you don't get an F. But other than that, that's all the points of first draft. Now, Linda, what are some other best ways to really motivate ourselves to start writing and finish, especially when time is tight or we get bogged down? Well, you know, um, something that this is perfect for perfectionists if they'll just allow themselves to do it. This saves you so much time and frustration, and that is to write with your monitor off. Or if you're writing on a laptop, put something over the screen or if somehow turn off your screen. And if you have a black monitor, you can't tweak as you go. And you wouldn't believe how creative you can be and how fast you can be when you're not constantly looking up going, oh, that's not very good or, or whatever. So try the black screen. I love it. I do it sometimes just to jazz things up, you know, just to have a little fun. And and then um, an, along these same lines would be if you feel stuck, like you mentioned college students, maybe they have a big report that's due, and they feel kind of stuck about, well, what do I include? I've got so much material, or I could go in 10 different directions or whatever. Well, I urge people to set a timer and just do what I call a genius generator, or it's also known as free writing. You just it's not quite a first draft because you don't know where you're going with this. You just write and write and write and write and write. And again, a black monitor works wonders. And that timer is really important because it says to your left brain that tends to be more the taskmaster, it says to the left brain, hey, look, she's just playing for 10 minutes. Let her go, right? And that's when your right brain comes in with fresh ideas. Again, this is similar to the fast first draft, but it's even before that because that's it's when you're stuck and you don't know what direction or what material. So you you might just start saying, "Well, I could include such and such, but I really think uh, XYZ is better." And you just let your mind roll like that. So that's kind of like a I call it genius generator because it gets to the core of your innate genius that I believe everyone has. But you could so other people call it like a brain dump or free writing and that sort of thing. And then another tip to keep you moving is uh, plunge in anywhere. Uh, a lot of times people think they have to start at the beginning. But let's say you're writing that paper for co at college and you know exactly what you want in the middle. You've got those facts down. You're just not sure how to begin and end it. Okay. Start in the middle, because here's here's one of my favorite expressions, and that is a writer's worst enemy and best friend is inertia. In, inertia is a writer's worst enemy when a body at rest stays at rest. If you're not writing, right. yeah, if you're not writing, you're stuck. So that's bad mm -hmm. inertia for a writer. But a body in motion stays in motion. So all of these things I've just mentioned, fast first draft, brainstorming, black screen, baby steps. Uh, well, I didn't mention that one yet, but uh, the uh, start in the middle or start where you're passionate. All of those help you break through into the good inertia. A body, a writer in motion stays writing. So right. those, those, you know those will keep you going. You know, Linda, I like that idea of writing out of order because when you thought, when you have written so long, especially in school, it gets boring when you got to go through that whole writing structure. Start from the beginning, do your mail, then you're in. Then when you get on thesis paper, it's like, okay, everything has to be structured to the way of doing your paper. But it's very likely that you don't want to just compose another boring essay written in a five-point format that won't be very interesting to read. So I love that template. Yeah. Right out of order. Oh, 
That's something. That's something new. That's something new. And you know, you will not hear anybody, mostly in the academic writing field, recommending that. No, you won't hear that. So hey, that's our little secret, everybody. Let us pass it on secret. <laughs> <laughs> And oh, I, I guess good. I guess you I guess you won't hear them saying it as much because most professors they grade on they grade on format as well as they grade on content. So you you will not hear them say that. Do it out of order. But that's a great idea. If that's the first thing you're thinking of, I think that would make sense. But if you know that's your ending, you put it at the end. Don't put it in the front because you know your professor how they are gonna grade you. But I do understand where she's coming from. What Linda's actually saying. If that's the first thing you're thinking of. Put it down, but probably mark, okay, this is going to be at the end, but this is what I'm thinking of first, because sometimes it's how it goes. Sometimes you might know how your turkey's going to end up looking at the end of Thanksgiving, because that's the first thing you could think of. But then all of it comes together, okay, I know I got to do this, cut this part out the turkey, and then it's going to be pretty at the end. But, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Great idea. Yeah, and definitely you you want to follow the format your professor expects, but you don't have to write it in that order until the end. You know, at the end you've got to tweak it until it matches what your professor wants. But it, while you're writing it, just let it rip. Right. Now, let me ask, will writing out of order probably make your thesis easier to read to you if you're doing a thesis paper? Well, I was talking more about the energy of of just getting momentum going and getting okay. you know breaking through the inertia. But yeah, no, I wouldn't change the format the professor expects. But uh, you don't have to write it in beginning, middle, end order until you've broken through the inertia. Now you're on a flow, and now you've got things coming to you. Then get it in the correct order. Right. Okay, let me explain that to you. So we don't want you going back. Well, I heard, no, we said write out order. We didn't say put it first, and then you have an F on your paper. So I don't want you to be blaming me and be on the page talking about it with my fault. No, that's not what you heard. Don't follow yeah, your, yeah. yes, follow professor's rules. Just, just make it easy for yourself, basically. That's what we want you to do. We want you to be easy and comfortable. But I'm glad that's a great tip. I wish I would have learned that because it is difficult when you start from the beginning. You're like, Oh, I don't know what I want to say, but you're thinking about the end part. Yeah, I like that. Um, so, Linda, how do you help writers and authors mostly get on track and writing regularly once they start? Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch, hear that. Something. Oh no, was, I, yeah. I don't mind repeating. It. I was asking, how do you help writers and other authors get on track and writing regularly once they start? Oh, well, good, yeah. Um, well, of course, all of those things that uh, we just talked about help them get started, but oh. there are some tr tricks of the trade. Let's say you have a book you want to write or even a term paper or something of length that that you just feel like you don't have time, you don't know how you're going to squeeze it into your busy day and all of that. One of my favorite tools is called 100 words in a hundred days and what this what this tool allows you to do is simply write a hundred words a day and and it sounds like you're quite a writer technicia and so you know how quickly a hundred words can come to you especially if you're writing them fast and not worrying about every word yeah. and so yeah and so you start Right. Every day you say to yourself, for the next 100 days, I'm going to write 100 words. Now, let me tell you something about my personality. That particular format works for a lot of people, but that one feel, makes me feel a little boxed in. So I've made myself a variation on that, and I write 200 words five days a week, and then I give myself a break. I, I'm just a break person. I like those. And so... Um, but but back to the 100 by 100 or whatever variation works with your natural rhythm. And that's so important. Find your rhythm and honor it. If you need a break like I do, then do 200 five days for the next 20 weeks or whatever. 
And so you set this personal goal that matches your rhythms. Now, the beauty of this goes back to what I was saying about a body in motion stays in motion. Because once you tell your brain, you just have to write 100 words or maybe 200 words today, the brain says, hey, no problem, I can do that. And then a body in motion stays in motion. Most people end up writing 300 or 400 words in one session. But if you truly have a hectic schedule, you can quit at 100 words, let's say, and feel really good. Talk about baby steps. You have just done a baby step, but you have said to yourself, I lived up to my promise to myself today. Then you do it the next day and the next day. And if you're doing the 100 by 100, you do that for 100 days. And by the end of that time, you've got the beginnings of a book. Now, maybe your term papers do a little bit before 100 days, so you'd have to, <laughs> you'd have to change this a little bit. But you see what I'm after. I'm after baby steps that that say to your that your brain responds to like hey no problem i can do that because you know i'd say at least 60% of my practice working with folks about their writing is to build confidence and to help them stop procrastinating and find time to write and so what whatever your time frame if if it's a book well Hey, if you never start it, you're never going to have a book. So there's no rush in getting this book done because you you just need to work with your natural rhythms. And I find 100 by 100 or 200 by 5, whatever, I find that really, really effective. So that's one of my favorite uh, tips. Now, another one that might work for the college folks, too, it might work a little better, is to set aside a weekend or two days, however you do it. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry, it's, yes. it's a week. Um, it's a okay. week or, or a weekend, if that's the best you can do. And you say to yourself, every spare moment I have, I'm going to write. And maybe you go to the grocery and you get in some nice, healthy, prepared foods so you don't have to worry about that. You tell your kids Hey, you're you're on your own, um, you know, if they're old enough anyway, you know, I'm I'm going to be doing this. So you you just need to know that for this weekend or this week, this is my week. I'm going to I'm going to write in every spare moment I have. And so that's another way. And it's amazing what people get done when they immerse themselves like that. So those are two really really good tips on how to Get on track and stay on track. Right, I like that. I do love that advice, and this would be great advice, especially for first-timers probably going back to school, haven't written in so long, or for high schoolers, because in high school it's totally different. You don't get this instruction. They teach you to start from the beginning, write your, as I was talking with my guest yesterday, Linda, how to do maybe like three points in your story, okay, this is three points you're going to talk about. But when you're in college and you start writing your thesis, you might have several eight points that you want to talk about, and you got to know how to structure that in your thesis while saying, okay, I want to do this first and da-da-da-da. No, you got to know how to translate it into one good sentence and get your point straight across to your readers where you're not talking to them, but you actually communicating with your readers. You want to let them know you're on the same page with them. And, you know, I do like that and also in your book. Um, Linda, where you were talking about imitating, finding your own voice, not copying and plagiarizing, but just find your own writing style because sometimes it takes a while. You don't know how you actually might want to write, and it's good to look at other people writing. That's how we all learn. That's how babies yes. learn. They imitate all of So you're imitating, not, not plagiarizing. That's a difference. We said finding your own voice, not plagiarizing. I do not want you to take them words and plagiarize and have an L. Because professors will find those. They will find those things that you think they won't know. Oh, yeah, they're good. I have seen people get in trouble just for that. My professor had pointed out on her Facebook, she was like, I cannot believe this semester so many people plagiarized. I was like, wow, they actually did that? 
Yeah, well, especially with the Internet now, there's so much information that's so copyable, you know, and, and all. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm glad you like that. That's one of my favorite things. That it's called imitate to innovate. In other words, get, like, you look at other people's style or you look at books and say, oh, I want to write one like that. Well, grab mm-hmm. that book and, and explore why you want, what do you love about that book? Or what do you love about that article that you read and you want to write a or you want to write a blog? So find some blogs that you love and ask yourself why you love them. And you say, "Well, they start with a joke or they start with a nice story or something." Okay, now you know something you want to do. And so this isn't um like you say, "Yeah, let's make that clear. We're not talking about imitate as in plagiarizing. We're talking about just use it as inspiration so that when mm-hmm. that registers in your heart that you love that, then you know that's something that you also want to do. Um, right. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for those cues as to what excites you so that then you do those in your own words. Right, and that's how i seen it as when I was interning for Channel 2. I didn't want to copy the news reporter, but that's that's how you learn. You have to imitate. you got to look at how they report their story in order to be able to do it because it was my first time, so I didn't know. I'm, I'm trying to do it just like you to see how I could get a feel for it. But then, okay, I'm not feeling your sound, so i got to put a little oomph into it myself. So, yeah, it's all about imitating. Everybody looks at everybody's style. Even when we dress, we look at somebody's style. When we're doing radio shows, you're looking at somebody, how they doing their show differently from yours. So here, it's all a learning process. Nobody, like I said, nobody woke up and got these ideas off the top of their head. So, yeah, it's all about learning. No plagiarizing, though. <laughs> so, Linda, <laughs> What what tricks of the trade can what more tricks of the trade can you share that make the writing process more enjoyable? Well, I know you we know went one over of the of. yeah we have, but I'll tell you something. One of the important things is when we're writing, it isn't just to um, like what we want to say or what we find pleasurable. We've got to be writing to our readers, not at them. Right. And you, you mentioned this so. earlier. Yeah, it's such an important point. And I'll tell you, I, I was well into my career before this really registered with me. I thought I had a job to kind of tell people, sell people, do that kind of thing. But what we need to do is write to them so that they they naturally want to read and absorb, and they don't feel lectured. You know, nobody mm-hmm. these, nobody wants to be lectured. And no, so they don't. I, I like to encourage people to think about their reader. How is she going to take this the way you've written it? Is it going to be like, well, they're just lecturing me, he's just lecturing me or something, or is it going to be, oh, I like this, this is conversational, I feel like this person gets me, so I'm going to keep reading. Because let me tell you a story. When I The very first class I taught in, I think it was like 2008, no, it was earlier than that, but anyway, the very first class I taught, was one of the toughest ones I had, and they often say that happens. And these young people told me that if they don't like the looks of an email or a report or whatever, they delete it. And I said, well, what do you do if somebody uh, uh, says, hey, did you get my report? And they'll say, you know, it must not have come through my email. And and so I like to tell people, because those of us who are a little bit more honest than that, um, uh, we're kind of shocked by that behavior. But um, people are suffering from TMI, too much information. And so they're looking for every chance they get to delete. Now, this, of course, doesn't apply to professors or something, but if you are in business and you're corresponding with people or you're writing reports for people, you need to think about what might trigger that response. And that Mm -hmm. is, you've got to write to them. Don't dump information on them. 
think about what's the benefit to them for reading this. What's the benefit? Right. Are they going to be smarter? Are they going to have a sale? Are they going to have new information that makes their life better? So think about right. your reader and and position your words so that they feel like, hey, I like this person, and, and, and he's right. not lecturing me. You're talking, you're talking to me. You talk, you're talking about me. You're on the same page with me. That's how we want to feel, like you're right there with me. Wow, you understand me. That's how all readers are. We want somebody to understand us. I can I can sit in a lecture all day, but I need to know that you are understanding me. Sometimes I have heard too, and the best way if you got to find or whatever topic you're really doing on, do some research. Do a little research. Go out and find out what other people what other people are thinking before you put it down. And that could sometimes probably help you too um, while writing your book or paper. Yeah. Oh, that's that's great, absolutely. And you know, sometimes people um, back in the eighties and nineties, we you you probably heard the term um, corporate speak or legalese. People got all stuff shirty about their writing, and they started putting in neverthelesses and heretofores and all this kind of stuff. And boy, in the twenty first century, that just falls flat. And I still see people trying to sound smart and and it backfires because they're not being true to themselves just be yourself i always say relax be yourself it's a beautiful thing to be because you just you've got plenty to share and you don't have to put on stuff shirt words at the thinking that it makes you sound smart it really backfires right. if it, it you know now if you're talking to professors or something maybe that's okay but not in the business world and not day to day most people want a nice conversational tone so that that's really helpful you before we go to commercial break you made me think about what my mentor tom jones who's the reporter for channel 2 news he told me that he said when you're speaking to the listeners for the news you speak in a conversational tone because I one day I wrote I wrote something down, Linda. He said, "Is that the way you talk to your friends?" I was like, "No, I thought it had to be professional because I'm I'm around you." He was like, "Well, it doesn't. You have to sound conversational. People want you to be relaxed. They they don't know your story more than you will know it. So just be relaxed, and and that's true. You be more conversational. Like if you're around now, if you're around professors, then yeah." They want you to do all the big words. And sometimes professors don't want you to use big words either because I did that, and my professor was like, are these your words? And I was like, excuse me? Yes, they are my words. What, I, I talk to you a certain way so I can't write differently? Like, And I really felt offended. I was like, that is so mean. <laughs> like, these are my words. But he did find out I did not plagiarize, so that was good. They were mine. <laughs> but it did make me feel... I did. I felt so confused. I was like, I thought you'd be proud I used other words. I mean, I'm I'm turning the assignment into you. This is a paper about, um, I had to write a 12-page paper on um, Internet uh, in China, and I was like, you should be very proud, and I guess he wasn't. So, but he checked, like I said, it wasn't page five, so that was a good thing. But so sad. We're going to take a commercial break, but we'll be going to be right back with Linda McDaniel. So don't touch that dial. We will be right back after this. There's only one station that will keep you happy. Blog Talk Radio. We're taking more of your calls at 347-426-3751. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this commercial break. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up... I want to be a kid's first computer. I want to be a football I want to be a bike that races around the country. I want to be a bench on a forest trail. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. Brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. Whoa. The moment my son saw a redwood tree. It's huge! Is the moment I knew that for him. You can't even see the top of that 
everything. Even the sky has no limit. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go. Your moment is out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by feedthepig.org. Well, I finally did it. I opened a 401k. So you're giving up. Just like that. Giving up on what? I'm getting an inheritance from a distant relative. Don't you think if there were a billionaire in the family, we'd know about it by now? Listen to me. We are one phone call away from riding horses on our own private polo ground. One call from christening yachts, having a butler, using summer as a verb. How do you figure? Look, everyone's got a rich uncle somewhere. It's statistics. So the best thing you can do is just prepare for the inevitable. Right, which is why I thought maybe it would be smart to take control of my finances. You know, start using a budget, get out of debt, set some retirement goals. Budgets? Debt? You watch your mouth. Retirement shouldn't be a goal for us. It should be a way of life. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. All right, welcome back. Now, this might twist your stomach a little bit, which it twisted mine. Guess who's getting married? Charles Manson is actually getting married. A 26-year-old went and got her a wedding license to marry this serial killer. So I guess, I mean, I'm not, I don't know. I mean, I mean, gays want right to marry, and everybody else want right. So I guess he have rights, too. So I guess we have rights to tell our little girls that's fine. Go ahead, Mary Still Killer. Doesn't matter. We already have a man who committed murder, and they wanted him to model. So I guess everybody just do like you want to do. Matter of fact, everybody just run the streets naked. How about that? <laughs> but that's just a little info if you haven't heard. Yeah, it is true. So you can find out. It is actually true. I did not believe it myself. But on to Father Good News, we're with here. Um, Linda McDaniel, inspired writing coach. Um, her latest book, How Not to Sound Stupid at Work, um, coming from her other book, Feeding Off um, Words at Work. And we've been talking about ways to just overcome the fear of writing, skills to make you better, because no one was born overnight how to write. No one was born with a jackhammer in their hand how to carpet. So it takes time. It takes skills. So, Linda, some subjects seem so dull and dry, but the information is important. How can you help writers make this kind of dry material more engaging so they get the results they need? Well, that's that's the point of, like, you get that first draft down fast so that you have right. more time to go back and add creative elements. Now, a lot of people get frightened by the word creative, and it just breaks mm-hmm. my heart because everyone is creative. Now, we're not necessarily talking about inventing the next iPad. We're talking about little sparks <laughs> right. of creativity, and everyone is creative. There isn't a you wouldn't be alive if you weren't creative. And so, I just I it like I say, I just want to encourage people that creative is not a scary word. It is something that you have a gift within you. And um, so some of the things, though, that you can think about to be more creative, go back and look at your verbs. So many of us, uh, it's so easy to write, she is tall. But, you know, if you're writing something, now I'm not talking about an email. You're not going to worry too much about this for an email. But if you're writing an article or a blog or a book, you, you want those verbs to, instead of saying she is tall, you might say she towers over everyone in the office. Do you see the difference? It's so much more engaging. So think about, I, I call them vivid verbs. Think about vivid verbs that that do what? something besides is, were, are, that kind of thing. You made me think exactly what my food and bears director would say before he left us. When you're giving descriptors on your food, because I am a waitress, you give them this vivid image of what the food would be like. Like I would describe the fried chicken. It's all white meat, juicy on the inside, crunchy on the outside, soaked in a brown sugar brine, marinated in buttermilk, <laughs> flour, and so many herbs and spices, and we deep fry that baby to a golden crisp. You know, you're getting the customers ready. You're prepping them up. 
so they don't have to ask as many questions because you're already telling them. Just the same way he would tell us. He said, you describe a woman, nice suit, small, um, soft skin, 34, 26-inch waist. You know, you're giving descriptors. And I don't, I don't know this woman, but I'm telling you about it. That's making you imagine that this woman is very beautiful. It's all about descriptors. You're so white. You're just adding a, it's called adding a little oomph, not fluff, which a lot of people like to do in their papers. Don't add fluff, but add, give a little bit more detail. Add a little, give me some imagination. I need to think on this. I want to, just like uh, what's those books, Fifty Shades of Grey, um, I don't know if them people are true or not in the book, but just the way E.L. James wrote it made me want to, made me feel like I was in the book. Every little second I read it, I'm like, wow, oh, yeah, I, I, I kind of feel where you're coming from now. <laughs> yeah. That it, yeah. it you you know when you described that chicken that that just sounded delicious you know, <laughs> and so that that's that's just you used verbs like marinate and soak and you know deep fat fry those things that's so you, instead of saying it is fried and has some herbs on it you know um, it's right. it was it, yeah it was beautiful um, another tool that is so powerful if you're trying to teach people or inform people, and it's called similes, and you've used a bunch of them already today. You're talking about it's like the Thanksgiving turkey, um, you know, that you visualize at the beginning and the end. Well, that's called a simile when it has a like in there. Writing is like a Thanksgiving turkey. I love it. You know, I mean, that, that's so inventive. So when, but what's instructive about it, not only is it a colorful thing that people like, you know, they, they enjoy reading um, that, uh, you know, something was like a, uh, uh, you know, a, a lar- like it was like a steamship or it was like this, uh, it was like an orchestra or whatever. Not only does it help people visualize and it's a colorful phrase, but it also helps teach people because it makes the unfamiliar familiar. So let's say mm-hmm. somebody's new to writing and she's like, well, like I don't, I don't even know that much about it. And then she hears writing is like your Thanksgiving turkey. Well, now she knows all about the Thanksgiving turkey. So not only is she engaged and wants to hear you explain that a little bit more, but she she now has the unfamiliar is a little bit more familiar. I'll give you another great example. I was talking to a cattle farmer, and this was back when the talking about grass-fed beef was brand new. I had never heard of this, oh. and as compared to grain-fed beef, and I didn't understand the difference. Now he could have gone off on some long, boring biological explanation, but he said to me, Linda, when cattle eat grain it's like you're eating chocolate cake three meals a day every day not only did i the unfamiliar become immediately familiar but i actually had like for a second i had a stomach ache you know that's how visceral this was for me and so he took something that could have been difficult for me to understand and boom i was on his wavelength so similes are colorful, they're helpful, and they're memorable. So, so those are great ways to to add, mm-hmm. um, yeah, to add to your writing. And then the, yeah, the I third like one, I, yeah, yeah, and and you've been using them. I've noticed it as we've been talking. You're very good <laughs> at it, and so you're colorful, and you add these things, and and so. Um, and then the third thing that I could talk for hours on, and that is telling stories. Uh, you'll notice that I told you that story. That 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 was not only a simile, but it was like a story too. Um, I told you the story about those young students of mine who delete everything they don't like the looks of. Stories are memorable, and they too are powerful ways of getting people to understand something. And here's the thing. We are wired for stories. Long before Mm -hmm. we knew how to write, 
We had troubadours going around telling stories. We had griots telling stories. We had right. all kinds of, you know, yeah. we didn't, and most exactly. people couldn't read and write. Have been, right, storytelling has been around for ancient of years. Yes, we have. Even when you grew up, what was the first thing your mother would do? Read to you. That's how you learned to hear the sounds and get the, that's where phonics come from. Our parents, our parents didn't even know what phonics was. They didn't know, but that's what they were doing. They was reading to us and giving us all those words. But, you know, Linda, the hardest thing for me, I'll probably say, is creating a silly story because I have twin girls. They're eight years of age. But one of them always has to do a silly story um, in the beginning of the week for her homework. And I got so frustrated because there were so many words, and I was like, I know the meaning of these words, but how am I going to put it into a silly story? I'm like, oh, I can't stand. I was like, I can't stand your teacher for this. I could do I could do a research paper. I can I can do anything else. Maybe something for public relations. But your teacher had to give me something that's like bog out my mind. I I don't know nothing silly. So we trying to come up with something about a a spider. I'm like, okay, the spider. Um, he got almost crushed by a brick. He died. His family had to go somewhere else. The town. It was just so hard to use all the words they want me to use. And I was like, I don't like this assignment at all. And she got another. She has them every week too. Wow. Well, you know, probably a child is better at a silly story than an adult. You know, because what? we've got so many rules in our head that we that do. she probably. Um, <laughs> you know, is pretty good at it. But, um, you know, that's a fairly good exercise, though, because, one, for for children, that would give them um, something instead of telling them to write a research paper, you know. And then, two, it it awakens their imagination. And so I invite you to allow yourself to be silly and and just say, well, that (laughs) spider crawled on somebody's back and he went on the New York subway and he, you know, blah, blah, blah. And just, you know, you might do a brainstorm where you allow yourself to be silly and, and maybe you do it together and see what you come up with because um, it's probably something adults should have to do. We get so doggone serious that um, we our our imagination atrophies and so this allows you to think about, well, what if a spider um, got on the back of a car and ended up five miles away? What would he do? Would he, you know, he'd take up with a new spider family or whatever. And so, yeah, you know, just try to have some fun. And I did. I wrote it in out there. Well, his wife went to go live with, after he died, his wife went to go live somewhere else with another family and that didn't work out because they didn't like her because she was a spider. And I said she tried to find somebody by communicating through the World Wide Web. I was trying to use words oh, like that web. Is so... <laughs> but, oh, that's so cute. You know, I, think, I think I was doing more to think because I was like, Leticia, you, at this age you're supposed to be silly, very silly. Like think of something. I'm trying to get her to think. But I think the one thing that was kind of bogging her because she didn't know most of the words. So we had to go over some of the vocabulary words to get the definition of it. And it it was hard. I know for an eight-year-old, you're not going to remember mostly half of those vocabulary words. So what I will start trying to do is we will start trying to pick out maybe one word. I need to get in the habit of doing it. Pick out one word and go over the definition of it. That way she'll become familiar because no one expected her to know all them words within overnight. I mean, spelling is different, but knowing the definition, I was like, yeah, that's kind of probably bothering her. That's probably what's making her not write it because now she don't know the uh, definitions left. And it's like, okay, so mommy has to jump in and help, and I got to use my imagination to the best of my knowledge because, like I said, we got another one coming up this week, and all types of words we got to use, broom, groove, new. And I'm like, okay, I got to start plotting on what what story we're going to think about. But, you know, it's kind of fun, though, because she did ask me that too, Linda. She said, mommy, why do we have to do this? I don't understand. I was like, uh-oh, I'm rubbing off. I said, well, baby, this helps you. This this is the beginning of your writing. This is something that you're going to be doing, and you're going to be very thankful for it because I, I think now they do need to start trying to make you not write at the college level, but when you start getting up in them high grades, like start getting them familiar with how college really is because the stuff that you're teaching in high school, 
really doesn't work when you get in college, especially when you still write thesis papers. Like, no one wants you to write that way. Of course, in my, from my experience, you have to you have to bring it when you write thesis papers. Your professor wants to see it, and I was kind of still clued. I'm like, a research paper? What? I don't understand what you're talking about. Like, we didn't do all that hardly in high school. It was kind of like an easy breeze. So, yeah, I think high schools need to start getting you ready, prep you up for college, preparatory, because that's a lot of times what students are not prepared for. They're not – these students are not prepared to meet Linda for college. They go in, you're thinking – I have time to procrastinate and do this homework in the morning when you should have done it two days ago before the professor even gets in class. So, yeah. Yeah, and and just, you know, it's also priming her creativity. So, um, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but it does sound like it's challenging with all those words you have to use. So um, Right, because she has uh, to use all of them, not just a few, but all of them. So I think it gets you when you're like, okay, so this is what I do. I say, what word do you want to use next? And she'll pick it, and I say, okay, now this already happened, so we kind of want the story to flow. We don't want to just put in a silly sentence, and it don't kind of go with what we're already capturing. So I'm like, okay, let's think of a sentence together. I sometimes yell at sister. I'm like, okay, I need your help, too. You you have a silly mind, so come on, let's let's, let's think of something together, please. So, yeah. It is a good, but I told her teacher, I said, you know, this assignment is supposed to be so easy, but at the same time, it's difficult because we have to use all we have to fit all the words into that. And you're like, okay, I'm trying to I'm trying to really put this word in there, and it kind of is not working for me. I I, I don't understand. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it's fun though. Okay, well, you know, um, the also that brings us around to um, the most important part of writing, and that is good writing is really good editing. And another phrase okay. I've coined is bad writers just stop too soon. In other words, nobody's a bad writer if they just keep um, tweaking it until it's it flows. And so a lot of people don't give it that time. They think they just dump something on a screen and they send it in um, or whatever. And so editing is when you go through and you tweak it to make sure you mentioned conversational earlier. Well, you take out those stuffed shirt words and make sure it sounds engaging and conversational. And then you want to look to make sure it's clear. Try to be your reader, not yourself, not the knowledgeable person, but the reader who's trying to either learn something or read something for the first time. So you want to go through and say, well, what would it be like? Have I really explained it to them? And this is where you might get a proof buddy. That's what I call somebody who isn't familiar with what you just wrote. Your your brain is very familiar with what you just wrote. So it's not going to alert you to the fact that you haven't fully explained it. So that's where you maybe get a buddy and you take turns like I'll I'll prove something you wrote uh, this week, next week, I'll, you know, you prove something I wrote. And so um, that really helps to get that fresh brain in there so that um, you can, you know, make sure you're writing to your reader. And then one of the biggest pet peeves in writing is wordiness. And so oh, yeah. people want, yeah, they want you to get to the point quickly and cut the flab. So go through and say, could I say this more um, succinctly? Could I cut some words uh, rather right. than saying it like with four big words? Say it with one vivid verb. Um, so, so those are some of the things that you know. And one of the biggest things today that I urge people to look for in their writing is: is it constructive? Because there is so much both intentional and unintentional uh, writing out there that's actually hurtful. And some of Mm -hmm. it is it's not courteous unintentionally or it's not courteous because the person just didn't think he needed to say it nicely. Well, we do. And we've got a culture here that needs to be bolstered by kind, caring, courteous people. And email just turns people into monsters. They just start, you know, being it, rude it or and they don't mean to be half the time. But it does. So you, that's you, why cyberbullying is just so de- 
it's so demeaning now because that's what people do. These negative words, and it never stops. Nobody wants to use positive. They think they can get away with it because of this, of course, our lovely First Amendment. But it doesn't give you right to be cruel. It doesn't give you right, right. to all. They think they do. They they get away with it. I'm gonna put it in this book. I, I'm gonna do whatever I want to do, and don't care who likes it or not. Don't care who feelings are hurt. So if you think that's yeah. good, the way you want to do it, it's right, and you go right ahead. But I I I reframe you from not doing so. Well, good, because, um, you know, we just need to think of of how we want to be treated and how we want to treat others. And um, email has really made us into a, um, uh, I'd say, a discourteous nation. And, and so, Lazy. you know, just take, take that extra minute and make sure, like, the, I'll give you an example. My sister, uh, who lives in Atlanta, um, worked at a, a law firm as a paralegal. And so there was a little problem with her boss thinking something that wasn't quite right. So she she wrote this beautiful note to him that said, oh, I'm so sorry that that gave that impression. Here's what I was thinking. Um, I'd really like to talk with you next week about this. And he wrote back something that he was probably at lunch. He was using his iPhone. He used TechSpeak. And he just said, like, okay, and then lots of abbreviations, and um, not what I thought, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was so discourteous because she had written something that he should have mirrored. And, you know, that's something in the sales world, and, and that's called mirroring. If you want somebody to buy something from you, you 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 need to kind of mirror their actions. If they're warm and chatty, you need to be warm and chatty. Or if they're just the facts, ma'am, then you're just kind of like that because people like people like them. And he should have seen that note from her and known that she she was a caring person, a good employee, and he should have respected her with that same kind of response, not necessarily as long as hers was, but with that same kind of courtesy. Um, because we are selling. When we're writing to people in email, we're selling. We're selling them, do you want to, I want you to spend your time reading this, I want you to do what I'm asking, uh, whatever. We're, we're all salespeople today. And so, we are. Um, yeah. So mirror what that person is saying to you, like, I'm a courteous person who likes to be responded to in a similar vein. And I tell you, your career will go places if you treat people with that kind of respect. Don't think you need to be that pushy boss that isn't very nice to everybody but who somehow got to the top of the hierarchy. Um, don't be that kind of person. People, You really don't have team members when you're that kind of person and when you write to people that way. He lost her as a team member, and she soon found another job where they valued her. So uh, our, our writing I'm has glad. consequences. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad I'm glad that she found another when one door closes another will open. I'm glad. Kudos yeah, to her. Me too. That's the best. He lost he lost the best. Linda, tell us where we can find you cuz I know it's probably somebody out there who's inspired and needs that coaching from you. Well, and you know I have some free resources on my website too. So all you have to okay. do is go to lindamcdaniel.com, but now that Linda is spelled with a Y, so it's L-Y-N-D-A-M-C-D-A-N-I-E-L.com. And you'll find me. I've got a free uh, toolkit and all kinds of things there for you. And I'd love to hear from some of your listeners and, and help them. Or my books are all on Amazon, so you can just uh, check that out. And, and uh, I'd appreciate that. Well, thank you, Linda, for stopping by. Please make sure you get her latest book, How Not to Sound Stupid at Work, which is on, like she said, Amazon. And it's going to give you so many hundreds of writing tips and tools. Linda, thank you again, and God bless you. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed it now. Happy Thanksgiving. You're so welcome. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye, Linda.
and before we before I go, I want to give you, you know, I got to give you the truth of the day from my friend Mary Ellen, which is allow your focus to be on what you hope to accomplish now, putting your energies towards creating your future instead of dwelling on present circumstances. Look beyond your circumstances as they may be constraining your potential. Discover new possibilities of a future full of creative expression, abundance, and abilities for love. Focus your energies on these steps as you stay in the moment during each and every day. Do not allow challenges to throw you off track. Stay focused on your visionary spirit, building the foundation of a life path that assists you to realize your dreams. Today, express those that will allow your potential to shine. Enjoy the day, everyone. I will see you tomorrow, and God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to The Bright Side with Tanisha. Come back daily from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. God bless.